Thanks for joining us today. This is Kevin Mullins, pastor at Broad River Church, and we're really grateful that you checked us out. If this message has been inspiring to you, we hope that you visit our website at broadriver.church, and you can go to the plan a visit page and see if there's a time that you could visit Broad River Church in person. You also can give at that same webpage, and you can check us out also on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Broad River Church. We hope this message is a blessing to you. Good morning, everybody. Those as I, when you hear the Reverend Al Green, you, you have to bust a move, okay? So you're not allowed to sit like still. You at least at least your shoulders or something, at least your shoulders have to move or something, okay? So you know for next time. Although next time we'll be in the 1030 service, so that now you have a reason to stay for the 1030 service so that you can, so that you can uh, bust a move. I'd like to invite you this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. Gospel of John chapter 6, in just a minute or two, I'll have you stand and we'll honor God's word um, as we read. Um, page 891, if you're using the Blue Bibles, page 891, those Blue Bibles are down there in front of you or underneath your seat um, if you're sitting on the front row. I want to tell you about two things. First of all, we have a brand new season or session of Growth Track starting today. And so if you are interested in really coming closer to the center of what's happening here, finding out this first session is called What We Believe and Become a Member. So you have the opportunity to find out uh, things about the church, like what makes us tick, what, uh, how, how are our finances handled, what do we believe. All these things are important as you make a decision about becoming a part of our church. So Growth Track starts today, session one, first Sunday of the month. It's going to be at 12 o'clock immediately following our 1030 service. And uh, we will uh, we'll be glad for you to grab breakfast and, and come back and uh, be a part of that. I have a second uh, announcement that I'm going to make, and uh, that is related to what, what is going on here. Okay, something is happening here. Yes. Okay, what's, what's wrong? What's happening? This is your crew here, and they're shipwrecked. And what could possibly rescue them from the shipwreck? Well, Jesus is going to rescue us. Okay, so you want to be rescued by Jesus. You need people. Okay. Help you get rescued by Jesus. Good. Okay, I got it. Okay, so let me tell you an idea I have, which is I think that we should have a vacation Bible school for kids from June 16th to the 21st. Would that be a good idea? Okay, good. So we're going to do that. And you said you need people's help. What specifically do you need? Well, I need people to help us decorate, and I need people to help us with the snacks, with the games, with the lesson, anything you can do, anything. And where, where should they let you know if they want to be a part of that? Well, if you want to let me know, our little island is up there. I saw it. So you just have to go back there. So we just need your help. You will sign out something, and you are going to help us get rescued by Jesus. All right. All right. Let's give a big hand. Very good. Nice job with the palm tree. Very nice job. 
So immediately afterwards, we'd love to have your help. This is going to be an awesome time for our church as we welcome in a whole bunch of kids from our community. And even if you're only able to help, it's in the evenings. It starts on a Sunday. It goes through Friday. Even if you're only able to help one or two days, if you would let Kata know afterwards, we'd love to uh, have you signed up. And listen, everyone is eligible. No matter what age you are, no matter what your experience level, you are eligible because there will be an awesome place and part for you to play. That was pretty cool. Um, I want to talk to you today in the second part of this little mini-series called The Pursuit of Happiness, and specifically, we've been asking the question, what is it that makes us happy? This morning, I want you specifically to make that personal and say, I want to say to you, what is it that you think in life is going to make you happy? A second question that we've been uh, considering is, is our pursuit of happiness actually making us sad? So in a world where people hope for happiness and that offers this, this very confusing collection of paths to happiness, are we missing the truth where happiness and contentment and joy are found? And so let's jump into this with a reading from the Gospel of John chapter 6, and it's our church's tradition to stand as we read the Gospel, so let's do that together today. John chapter 6, and we're going to read verse 32 through 35. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And this is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for this morning. Ask now, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are my rock and my redeemer. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. We are surrounded, in fact, I would even use the word bombarded, with suggestions on what it is that's going to make us happy. Um, I've been digging into this idea and thought since the beginning of the year, and, and the more that I've dug in to what makes us happy, I found out that for a few years, it is the Scandinavians that have had the, uh, the corner on the happiness market. Okay, so for instance, I found out that for years and years, the Danish people have been happier than everyone else in the world because of this little concept called Heige. You have that screen? little concept called Heige. It's, everybody say Heige. It's the Danish word for coziness, okay? In 2016, this little book that was published that let the rest of the world in on the secret, the little book of Heige, Danish Secrets to Happy Living. So I'll just cut right to the chase this morning and let you know it's, a, it's all about coziness. It's about fireplaces and, and socks and, and hot tea and, and cashmere blankets and throw pills, just warmness overall. That's all you need to be happy until 2017 when Vogue published this article that says, Forget Heige. In fact, the title said, Forget Heige 2017 will be all about Lagom. Everybody say Lagom. Now, Lagom is this Swedish concept, and it's about moderation and simplicity. So you don't need the full-on fatty milk, okay? But you also don't need the super skim milk. The most popular milk in Sweden is 1.5% milk, (laughs) 
right? So, so log them, not too much if you want to be happy, not too little if you want to be happy. So hygie is kind of about capturing a feeling, coziness. Logum is about moderation. It's about being frugal and being fruitful. But then that path to happiness didn't even last a year until we had to leave Scandinavia behind altogether to find happiness. I love this headline from this independent newspaper. It says, Ike guy. Is Ike guy. Say Ike guy. Is this the new Heige, the Japanese concept of finding purpose in our lives? Look at the bottom here. You've tried Heige and Lagum, but it turns out Ikigai is the key to happiness. I'll read a little bit from this article. We've snuggled up in knitted sweaters and filled our rooms with wood-scented candles in the pursuit of Heige, the Danish concept of finding contentment and coziness. When that didn't work, we turned to the Swedish idea of Lagum or moderate living, and it turns out we're still not happy so maybe it's Ikigai, the lifestyle concept from Japan that will help us live our best lives. So what is Ikigai, by the way? It's all about waking up in the morning, every morning, and saying, what is my purpose in life? Right? And every single minute, it's like, I've got to, the, today is the day. It's, Ikigai is about striving. So Heige is about being cuddled up and being warm and cozy. Ikigai is about stress and striving and getting somewhere. So what is it? Is it cashmere? Is it moderation? Is it stressing and striving? It's a question, listen to me this morning, that all of us have to face. And it's important because there's a lot of things that we chase for when we're looking for happiness that aren't even really there. There's a a woman walking on the beach and she sees the genie's lamp. And she's like, this is my moment. I've been living all my life this moment. It's the genie's lamp. She rubs the genie's lamp. The genie comes out and says, what is it that you wish for? The woman is so excited. She says, I can't believe my good luck. She said, do I get three wishes? The genie says, well, unfortunately, due to you know, inflation and global competition and, and downsizing, you only, get, you only get one wish, right? So now the woman's like, she says, this is my moment. I've got to make this happen. I've only got one wish. I should be selfish. I should wish for something for the whole world. So she gets out a map. She points to the Middle East. She says, I want peace in this area. Right? I only have one wish, so the only thing that I want is I want peace in this area. And the genie's like, listen, I am not a miracle worker, okay? So what you're asking for is impossible. You're going to have to wish for something else other than that. She, okay, well, I tried to be selfless. That didn't work. I'm going to ask for something for me. She says, I want the ideal mate. I want the perfect partner, someone who listens to me. Someone who affirms me, doesn't try to fix everything. You know, they're just there for me, kind, they're understanding, they're affirming. The genie says, give me the map, right? Right, because we're chasing for things, for happiness, we attach to our happiness that actually aren't even there. We're constantly being told, it's this path, it's this route that's going to make you happy. So we buy into things like material wealth. If we can just acquire just a few more dollars, if our bank balance would grow, if we could add some zeros to our net worth. But I want to ask you this question that I'll ask you throughout the next few minutes. Where does the evidence lead? Oliver James wrote this book called Affluenza. And he, he studied people of wealth in wealthy countries. Not a Christian book, just a scientific study of this. And he says, when life is centered on possessions and money... We suffer, scientifically studied, we suffer increased levels of depression, increased levels of anxiety, increased relationship breakdown. The more materialist we are, the less loyal we are as people, the less helpful we are, the less joyful we become. 
He coins this term, affluenza. It's like this virus-like condition that spreads throughout affluent countries. He says in affluent countries, people describe themselves by what they have, by, by how attractive they are, how famous they are. He says we've moved from a state of being to a state of having. That's good. And I want to I ask you, do you recognize this? In a society where people have everything that they need, and we touched on this last week, so what is the job of advertisers in a society where people have everything that they need? They have to create false need. This is what they, they have to make us want more and more stuff, including stuff that we don't need. This, this whole thing really began in earnest with marketing in the 1950s, and so now we've had almost 60 years of it. So almost anybody here in this room, we don't know anything else. Each generation, each one stacking false need on top of false need on top of false need. In the past, people wanted things because they were helpful. And then came a generation that wanted things because they wanted to be seen, they wanted status. And then now we want things because without them, we feel ugly and we feel alone. This is where we are. So what do you think will make you happy? Even more than that this morning, I'll ask you, what do you believe? What are you going after to make you happy? And does the evidence support the path that you're following? Will it lead to the happiness that you want so bad? I don't know if you've heard of this guy named Marcus Person. He, uh, he wrote a little uh, game called Minecraft. And if you haven't heard of Minecraft, just know that it, it was a sensation and still kind of continues to be a sensation. This video game that everybody was playing, my kids played it like crazy. In 2014, he sold Minecraft for 2.5 billion pounds. And it did not give him the happiness boost that he wanted. In fact, I have this tweet that he tweeted in, in 2015. He says, I'm hanging out in Ibiza with a bunch of friends Partying with famous people, I'm able to do whatever I want, and I've never felt more isolated. Incredible. Well, so maybe it's not maybe, maybe it's fame. I'm going to, you know, I'll get famous. I'm going to be adored by millions of people. There's these two movies that have come out recently about Freddie Mercury and Queen. How many of you have seen one of those movies? Right? It's supposed to be, I haven't seen either one. It's supposed to be really good. But uh, as I was thinking about these movies and, and this pursuit of happiness, I, I remembered this quote from Freddie, Freddie Mercury toward the end of his life where he talks about being desperately lonely. He said this, quote, you can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man. And that is the most bitter type of loneliness. Success has brought me world idolization and millions of pounds, but it's prevented me from having the one thing we all need, a loving, ongoing relationship. The first time that Jesus is recorded speaking to the disciples in, in the same gospel that we read, we read in chapter 6, but if you go back to chapter 1, you'll see Jesus encountering the disciples for the very first time. And the very first words that come out of his mouth as, he, as they approach him, he asks them a question. He says to them, what do you want? And it's this super relevant question, what are you seeking? Because in this, Jesus is kind of putting his finger in on our emptiness. Then he goes on later to claim several times, including what we read today, he claims to be able to satisfy that longing. 
Specifically, what are you seeking? He goes on to make this big claim, this incredible claim that we read today. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Well, okay, okay, but you know, we're, we're savvy people, right? This is 2019. Am I, am I supposed to believe that this poor son of an unmarried first century mother living under a foreign occupier in this tiny country in the Middle East, that person, Jesus Christ, could really have all the answer to life's deepest questions? And this is what I want us to consider this morning because it might sound nice. It might sound good. It might sound appealing, but hear me, is it true or is it more like Heige or Lagum or Ikigai? Is it more like the flavor of the week? Are you feeling me this morning? Is it true? And here's another question. Is it true on more than one level? Is it true? Is there truth in Jesus Christ? Does that connect with the truth of our lives and our situations? Here's the truth that Jesus Christ proclaimed into a reality of a life that we can still identify with today. He makes this massive claim, I am the bread of life. I am the answer to all of what you are looking for. And then he comes in history, he claims to be God, then he proves what he says is true. Now truth questions, and this is where we are today when we talk about the pursuit of happiness, truth questions are tough. Right, especially now, we have this new phrase that's emerged over the last few years when we, when we talk about truth statements. And does anybody know what it is? It's called fake news, right? Anybody heard this? Fake news. We need to be able to discern if someone can prove what they claim to be true. There was this restaurant that opened up in, in London called The Shed at Dulwich. And the shed at Dulwich was the most popular restaurant in the world for about four weeks. Princes and athletes and actors were all burning up this phone to get a reservation at the shed at Dulwich. TripAdvisor made the shed at Dulwich their number one restaurant. In fact, at one point, featured it on their homepage and said, this is the place that you want to go. This is the place that you want to eat. There was only one problem. The restaurant did not exist. Some guy had decided to mess with the world, not to make any money, but just because he was bored. And so he creates this website. He creates this menu, by the way, using household products to make the menu, like laundry detergents. He, he fools the whole world. And so we go looking after things. That's our 89,000 people in one day viewed this website and tried to make a reservation, but it didn't exist. Hear me this morning. That's, that's our world. And Jesus Christ says this. We saw this on Easter two weeks ago. He said, I have the capacity to fulfill that ache in you. I have an answer to every wake. I can ache. I can fulfill it. That's my claim. So the question this morning, is it true? Can he do it? It's important to answer that question. Because abstract truth claims don't matter. There's some things that just don't matter. People say things and it, it really doesn't matter. But then there's some other more personal truth ones, truth statements that really matter. Like, for instance, is it true that your girlfriend or wife or husband or boyfriend cheated on you last night? This is something that you want to know what the answer is. Nobody said amen. That's okay. Is it true that the person I thought was my father 
was actually my father. There's some kinds of things that we don't just shrug them off. We don't say, you know, well, everyone's perspective is equally valid, right? There's some things we don't say that about. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, I can satisfy the hunger and longing in every heart. Hear me this morning, it matters. Other choices are just personal preference, right? Vanilla or chocolate, Coke or Pepsi, Yankees or Mets. Actually, you should get that one right, okay? You should get that one right. I'm taking, I'm taking that one. I'm taking that. But listen, with this truth claim, does it hold up? Jesus says truth and life are found in me. In fact, he goes on to say, I am the truth. So the person of Jesus and the claims of Jesus, and I want to make a separation for you this morning. The claims of Jesus, the person of Jesus, are verifiably true. I said this a couple of weeks ago on Easter. I, I was at the Museum of the Bible in D.C. A, a couple of months ago where I read actual manuscripts, fragments of manuscripts that come from the very time period when these people who claim to write the Bible actually live. Now, this matters. In fact, Rich and I were talking about this this morning on, about another subject. It matters because it, 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 it's not like we're talking about myths and fables that were added later. This is important if you study history. These are not things that were kind of added on to the record later, later and laid over the top of history. It means that the claims that Jesus made aren't things that were just added later. They are from actual history, from the time period that the actual authors uh, lived. So the truth about Jesus is found in actual history. They are intellectually honest. They're truthful. But hear me this morning. It's not about intellectual integrity and honesty. The truth, the, mat- the big thing that matters is that the truth about Jesus connects with truth about you and me. I want you to see this. The, the things that he said, they connect with our thirst for finding meaning in life, our longing for significance. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, it's not just so we can, we can say, hmm, I wonder what deep things he means about being bread. That's not what he's up to, okay? He is asking us to believe that meeting him and coming into relationship with him as God would actually impact our lives. Christian faith isn't mostly about ideas. It is true and it's verifiable in history. But hear me this morning, at its heart, it is an offer of a relationship with a personal God through Jesus Christ. And a promise that when we meet him, when we come into relationship with him, ultimate meaning and purpose and satisfaction is found there. Meeting with Jesus, he says, is like eating the very bread of life that will satisfy our hunger. That's what Jesus is claiming. So, so how do we check that out? Something else I said a couple weeks ago, and I'm, I'm saying this for some people here today who are, are kind of still exploring their faith and still kind of figuring things out, and there's some people in this room that are still doing that, right? And all of us are at some level, but how do we check it out? This, this man named Matthew Paris, Paris, he's an atheist, a confirmed atheist, he, he said this in an article he wrote. He said, I've become convinced of the enormous contribution that Christian evangelism makes in Africa. Remember, this is a confirmed atheist, does not believe in God. Sharply distinct from the work of secular NGOs, government projects, and international aid efforts. These alone will not do. Education and training alone will not do. In Africa, Christianity changes people's hearts. It brings a spiritual transformation. The rebirth is real. The change is good. 
Now, I want, I, this is a long quote, but I want, really want you to feel this morning. He, said, he, goes, he says this. This is the full quote. I used to avoid this truth by applauding, as you can, the practical work of mission churches in Africa. It's a pity, I would say, that salvation is even part of the package. But Christians, black and white, working in Africa, do heal the sick, do teach people to read and write, and only the severest kind of secularists could see a mission hospital or school and say the world would be better without it. I would allow that if faith was needed to motivate missionaries to help, then fine. But what counted was the help, not the faith. But watch how he ends. But that, this doesn't fit the facts. Christianity changes people's hearts. It brings a spiritual transformation. The rebirth is real. The change is good. What I want you to see and take home with you this, this morning and take into, you, into this week as you talk to others about Jesus is that the truth about Jesus connects with truths about us. So yes, he came in history. Yes, you can check out the evidence and find out that it's true. But what matters most is his claim to be able to satisfy the longing of our hearts. The truth about him connects with the deepest truths about you and me. At its heart, this this Christian message is this transcendent, incredible, completely good, beautiful, good creator God who enters the universe in Jesus. That is true. But if that truth was just left there by itself separate and it didn't connect with the truth about you and me, listen, that would not be good news by itself. In fact, it would sound kind of like bad news. Wait, this God came and entered the universe in Jesus, but it doesn't connect with how my actual life has lived? But that Jesus... That Jesus, who is God entering into our very space and time, that Jesus, hear me this morning, identifies with us in the real world of brokenness and darkness and struggle that we all know. Something that I've been just feeling recently is that as we move forward as humans, we, we, we want to think of ourselves as good. We, we, we won't even say that. You know, people are basically good people. People will basically want good things, and I believe that to some level. I, but, but it's some level. Well, let me tell you a story about this little kid who wanted an Xbox. He really wanted an Xbox. He was desperate for an Xbox, but his parents were, were mean parents, right? They wanted him to do things like do homework and study and stuff like that. So they said, we're not going to buy you an Xbox. So one night he's about to go to bed. He lays down. Before he lays down, he gets down on his knees and he says, God, he said, I'm going to make a deal with you. So here's the contract we're going to put in place. God, what I'm going to do for my part is I'm going to be good for a whole week. One whole week, I'm going to be good. And your part, God, is I want an Xbox, right? So this is the deal. He goes to bed, gets up in the morning, goes to breakfast the next morning, and his little sister, his annoying little sister is at breakfast. And she does what annoying little sisters do at breakfast. And this kid, he goes right back up after breakfast, kneels down beside the bed and says, God, listen, we're going to have to renegotiate this contract. He said, I forgot about my sister. Right? I forgot that this is not going to go good. So, so I, here's going to change the plan. I, I want you to still keep your part. I still want the Xbox, okay, but, but I can only be good for one day. So he says, amen. Gets up, goes through the rest of his day. Lots of stuff happens. Gets, gets back that night and realizes it's not going to work. 
waits till everybody goes to sleep, gets out of bed, sneaks out of the house, down the stairs, out the front door, out across the front yard to the Catholic church across the street, breaks into the Catholic church, steals a statue of Mary off of the altar. Back, back across the yard, back up the stairs, back into his room, stashes the statue underneath his bed, kneels down and says, Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again. <laughs> so here's the thing. We say we want to be good, right? But here's a spoiler alert you get at the end of the season, right? We aren't. The truth about us is that we struggle to be good. We are broken. We're in need of forgiveness. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the one that can feed that hunger in you. He also meets us in our ability to hold up to the standard that we expect other people to live up to. He meets us offering us forgiveness. He doesn't meet us saying, you know what, I'm the bread of life. I'm going to satisfy your hunger. I'm going to meet your desire for purpose. But if you want that to happen, you need to meet up to the following requirements. Jump through these hoops in order to get the bread offer. The central symbol of the Christian faith is a symbol of execution. Have you ever thought about this? This is what we hang around our necks, the cross. Think about how weird it would be if you went to a cocktail party and you were talking to somebody and they had like a, an electric chair hanging around their neck, right? Or like a, a hangman's noose. But this is what we glory in. Why is that? Because the central symbol of our faith is a symbol of forgiveness. It is the way that God offered us forgiveness in Jesus. Jesus went to the cross willingly to die in our place, taking on our pain, taking on our darkness, taking on our brokenness, taking on our inability, taking on our deceit. All the things, by the way, that we hope that no one else ever finds out about us. That's what he took on. Offering us forgiveness, offering us life, offering us that bread of life. He said, anyone who believes in me, anyone who comes to me through that cross will never be hungry again. I just want to say this morning with this crowd that's gathered for 930, that's the offer that is on the table right now. That's the offer before every one of us today. Would you just, just touch yourself like this, just pat yourself like this, and just say, that offers for me? Come on, do it right now. Say, this offers for me. Anyone who believes in me, all these paths to happiness, Heige and Lagerman, Ikegai, Western materialism, fame, they all come up short. All those claims, to, they claim to lead to happiness, but where does the evidence lead? I want this morning... And we're going to participate in communion in just a minute. A wonderful way to do it. I want to present to you this morning Jesus. The bread of life. And let me just say it. He's just a prayer away. We're going to pray today. And I want everybody in this room to pray this as we pray. No matter what you've done. No matter where you've come from. I'm not inviting you into some sort of empty ritual this morning. I'm inviting you to come and meet the person of Jesus himself. He offers us himself. Would you stand with me today? Lord, thank you for your words of truth to us. 
Lord, I believe that every single person that is in this room is, is gathered here because it was your intention, it was your design that they would be here. And at 9.50 on a Sunday morning, God, that you would use this time and space to reveal yourself to someone in a new way. Lord, we thank you that you made this big and bold claim that you're the bread of life, but even more than that, we're so thankful that it's a real offer. We're so thankful that if anybody is hungry, if they would believe in you, that they would have life. So we thank you for that this morning. You would just say this prayer and just every, let's just all pray this prayer together, especially if maybe you're in a place where you would say, you know what, I, I have still yet to really make that commitment and dedicate myself. Or maybe you have in the past, and in this moment, you're, you're not feeling that you're really walking that path. This is the time of rededication. Would you just pray this prayer with me? All over this room, let's pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you that in you, we have life. I have life. The best kind of life. Thank you that you satisfy every hunger. So this morning, I trust you with my life. I give myself to you. And to the best of my ability, I will follow you with all my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, can we just celebrate that God has done that work in somebody's life this morning? Thank you, Jesus.